One of the reoccurring commandments given by Paul in his letters to the church is to remain blameless until Christ returns. But what does that actually mean? How are we to remain blameless until the Lord returns? That's exactly what we're going to be talking about in today's podcast. So turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and let's get into it. Well, hey there, my friends. Welcome to Stand Strong in the Word podcast. Jason Jimenez here with you guys as always. Blessed to be with you guys as we open God's Word together and we dive into what we have here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we are going to be ending, this is podcast 205, and we're going to be ending the letter to the Thessalonians. And we'll be diving into the next podcast, into 2 Thessalonians. So I cannot wait Uh, to dive into that with you guys. I've already completed my study and those chapters, there are only three, but it was a great study. So I can't wait to be uh, throwing those out there on the podcast soon. And let me just say this, as we transition into a new letter, if you've been listening for quite some time and you have questions, if there's a theological question you have, if there's a concern that you have, my friends, even if you have prayer requests that you would like us to pray over for you, please, you can contact us at info at standstrongministries.org. Matter of fact, before I dive in to our lesson today, one of our listeners had sent a very deep emotional letter, I, you know, an, an email, and he was very distraught. And of course, we lifted him up in prayer, sent him various scripture verses and and currently right now working out a situation for him to get involved in a local church in his city. And so just pray for that listener. I can't mention his name, obviously because of confidentiality, but it goes to show you, my friends, that there are a lot of different types of people in different stages of life that listen to this podcast and and it hits you uh, differently. But God's word penetrates Uh, our soul, doesn't it? And we are thankful that our dear uh, listener and friend reached out for prayer and we are glad to be of assistance for him. And as we continue our study here, if you are, um, you know, really searching and you're really growing in your faith and you're struggling though in some areas, please send us an email. Let me know how I can answer your questions and be there for you. And as always, you can go to standstrawministries.org and you can click on podcasts. We have two, this one and the other one is Challenging Conversations. Our notes are available. Now, I just want to give you guys a heads up as we are coming out with two new books uh, and then in this coming year, in 2023, as I'm recording this, we are going to be um, remodeling, kind of restructuring um, our website. So it's going to be a lot more conducive for the viewer. If you go there, there's going to be Bible studies, there's going to be recommendations, articles, uh, and then eventually we're going to be providing Bible study methods in groups that you can jump into, not online groups, but we're going to start first with just material, Um, and we're partnering with some outlets, and we're looking forward to that. So that's going to be coming out, um, so you'll probably be seeing some changes on the website um, shortly. So just want to give you guys a heads up with that, but they're all great things. So continue to pray uh, for this ministry as God is doing amazing things with it around the world. 
So with that being said, as we continue here in chapter five, one of the things that we left off at that I just want to touch on is verse 21, where it says, test everything, hold fast to what is good. Now, the last podcast, we, we talked about how that we were to follow these seven commands, right? And the seven commands that we were discussing, let me just give you a recap to what I just led into in verse 21, was remember Paul had divided from verses 19 through 22, he divided things into two parts. In verses 19 and 20, he lists two negative commands. Do not quench, right, the Holy Spirit and do not despise prophecies. Well, then he proceeded in verses 21 through 22 to list two positive commands to help Christians avoid believing in false teaching. And those are the ones that we looked at in the last podcast about testing everything, holding fast to what is good, and then abstaining from every form of evil. Now, this word, remember, test, you cannot discern what is error or what is a false teaching if you don't know what the truth is. So if you're not holding fast to what is good, you're not going to test many things and you won't be able to know or decipher or discern what is an error. And that's important. And one of the things now that Paul does here as he closes out is sends them off in a blessing, a prayerful blessing. Here in verse 23, he says, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. So it was their responsibility to take what Paul had written and to share that with the rest of the church. Okay, to broadcast it to teach this to not just the current Christians, but all the younger generations, okay? Now, this closing benediction, it covers three main concerns. The sanctification of God over his people, we see in verse 23. The expediency of Christ's return, also in verse 23. And number three, resting in God's faithfulness to accomplish his will in verse 24. Now, I said said in the opening, how... Or really put in, in, a, in a question, how are we to be blameless? What are we to do? Well, go back to what we talked about on podcast 204, about following these commands. And now with the blessing and the peace of God to sanctify us and keep us blameless until the coming of Christ, we'll touch on that today and see what that looks like. And you can look at that in your life and say, number one, am I being sanctified by God? Number two, am I looking for the return of Christ that will happen at any given time? And three, am I resting in the faithfulness of God to accomplish his will? You see, a lot of us do things thinking that God blesses it, that God honors it. But a lot of times we don't even ask. We're just led by our own desires. And we think, well, it's not really that wrong because this is to benefit me. This is what makes me happy. When we're talking about the God of peace that sanctifies you and I completely, uh, we're going to see on today's podcast that it goes far deeper than that. So let's start with that. Let's start with the God of peace. Now, this is important because after addressing many relational problems and all the conflicts that we saw in this letter, 
that the church was going through, what does Paul do here? He reminds the Thessalonians that God is a God of peace. Now, that sounds very elementary, very basic. But how often do we fail to really put our faith and trust in that? Like, for example, how much peace do you have in your life right now? If you're married, does your marriage have peace? If you're raising kids at home, is there peace in the home? Is there peace with you in your family? Do you have peace at work? Do you have peace at church? Do you have peace among your friends, your siblings, your parents? See, God is a God of peace. Now, just because God is a God of peace doesn't mean that all of us will be at peace with others in our life. We live in a fallen world. I can't help what Joe Blow does, right? I can try to be nice and kind and considerate to him and forgiving. But if he chooses to be rude, shrewd, mean, degrade, you know, you know, degrading people, whatever, then I can't help him. I could try to help him. I could pray for him. But if he's not willing to be at peace with his brethren, if he's not living in harmony with people, then there's only so much we can do. So let's understand that, okay? But, but as a follower of Jesus Christ, we are to pursue peace. But it starts with us recognizing, believing in, and allowing God's peace to not just consume our lives, but to control our lives. And so Paul reminding the Thessalonians, this is so important because we can oftentimes forget the word peace here carries the meaning of prosperity and security, so it's not just saying, I just want to be at peace in the world. I just want to be at peace with this decision. I just want to, it's not just having a settled mind. It's not just the absence of anxiety or, or stress. It's also security. So when I ask you, do you have peace in your marriage? Is there security or is there doubt? Is there discouragement? Are you consumed with insecurity? And this is very fitting in view of what Paul had just discussed in verses 12 through 15, you think, well, what did he say in verses 12 through 15? Well, let's go back. This is the passage when we're talking about respecting your spiritual leaders and taking care of the needs of others. If you go back just a few verses ago in chapter five, notice what he says here in verse 12. We ask you brothers to respect those who labor among you and who are over you in the Lord and admonish you and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. There it is. There verse 14, and we urge, so it's not just there, and we also urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. And then we see in verse 15, see that no one repays anyone, anyone evil for evil, but always seek, meaning, meaning pursue, strive to do good to one another and to everyone. Okay? And then if we rejoice always, remember these are the, fall, these are the, the commandments, right? Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And then he says, do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies but test all things and hold fast to that which is good abstain from every form of evil so it's very fitting that he says now may the god of peace himself sanctify you completely 
in order for you and I to respect our leaders, in order for you and I to love and respect others in our lives and help the faint-hearted, the people that need us, and to abstain from every form of evil, to rejoice always, and, and to, to give thanks, right, in all things, in all circumstances, we need the God of peace, amen, to sanctify so peace is not just prosperity. It also means security. The word studies in the New Testament says peace in the Pauline sense is not mere calm or tranquility. It is always conceived as based upon reconciliation with God. God is the God of peace only to those who have ceased to be at war with him and are at one with him. God's peace is not sentimental, but moral. Hence, the God of peace is the sanctifier. Peace is habitually used both in the Old and New Testaments in connection with the messianic salvation. And this is important, you guys, because when we, when we are talking about being at peace with God, therefore we could be at peace with ourselves and with others. Peace is habitually used, if you look at it in the Old and New Testament, in connection with the messianic salvation. I mean, the Messiah himself, we see in Micah 5, 5, is peace. He's a prince of peace, we're told in Isaiah. Peace is associated with righteousness. It, 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 it uh, is associated with a messianic blessing that we see in Psalm 72 and Psalm 85. Peace founded, okay, this is, this is what's so central, you guys, to Christianity, is that peace, it's founded in reconciliation with God. Matter of fact, peace is the theme of the gospel in, in Acts 10.36. We're told that the gospel is the gospel of peace, Ephesians 2.17, Ephesians 6.15, Romans 10.15. And guess what? We're also told that Christ is the giver of peace, John 14.27 and 16.33. So peace, you guys, in Christ Jesus is because we're saved. And so the God that we know, the God of peace, himself, not a force, not a secondary, you know, uh, force out there or, or, or even if you think about it in terms of a, a secondary help, but God himself. So peace is founded in the reconciliation with God. Now this word sanctify, that it says here, sanctify you not partially or in some aspects of your life, but, but sanctify you completely. The fact remains, who can, who can cleanse us and make us holy is only God. And only God has the power to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now this phrase, may your whole spirit, soul, and body. So when he says, the God of peace sanctify you completely, what Paul does here is he mentions the entire human person, so the entirety, by saying spirit, soul, and body. Now, Paul is following the Jewish tradition when referring to the body and soul and spirit, okay? So that's the totality of the human person. But I want to say something. Spirit and soul are not separate. You know, there's different views of tripartite um, who are, trichotomy they believe that there are three components to a person and so they'll say spirit is one soul is two and then the body's third and then there's the dichotomists that believe in the body soul which that's 
what I believe. So the spirit and soul are virtual synonyms that explain the spiritual and emotional components of a human being. You can see this in Matthew 10, 28, Mark 12, 30, 1 Corinthians 7, 34, Hebrews 4, 12. So Paul's not indicating that the spirit and the soul are two different spiritual entities. Spirit and soul are used interchangeably in the New Testament. I'll give you some examples. Hebrews 6, 19, we'll see this. Hebrews 10, 39. 1 Peter 2, 11, 2 Peter 2, verse 8. So Paul's benediction stresses God's plan to make his people whole again. So it's not just saying, hey, look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. He's saying you will be complete from start to finish. Okay, so to remove sin and to make them blameless, what did Christ have to do? He had to die on the cross for our sins. You know, there's a similar benediction that's found in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 and 21. It says, now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And I love that you guys, because the Bible tells us here as Paul's closing out, that you'll be kept blameless. Doesn't that give you peace and satisfaction and security? That, that God himself in Christ Jesus, he wants you and I to be free from sin. He, and he, he wants us also to be free from the guilt that results from sinning against him. And he's able to do this because we're, we see here in verse 24, he who calls you is faithful. God is faithful even when you are, you and I are faithless. We cannot get peace on our own. We cannot make peace with others without the help of God. We will blow it. We are faithless at times. We will let people down. We will disappoint ourselves. But God will never let us down. God will never disappoint. You see, Paul doesn't place his trust in himself. He doesn't say, you know, there's a, there's a difference when Paul says, hey, look at my example. Did I do this? No. Look at back at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I didn't take advantage of you. I didn't lie to you. I didn't cheat. I didn't steal. But he's not the Savior. So later in 1 Corinthians 11, he says, imitate me, for I imitate Christ. So Paul doesn't place his trust in himself, nor does he put his faith and trust in the Thessalonians. He rests his full confidence in who God is. So my question to you, my friends, is what does that look like in your life? How are you putting trust in the Lord? See, if you don't have peace in your life, it's because you're not trusting in the Lord. Paul's faith is similar to Abraham when he said, shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? Genesis 18.25 it may seem as though God isn't moving. It may seem in your life right now that God isn't working, but he's always at work. And we will receive our glorified body someday. You know, I always look to the, to the promise in Philippians 1 verse 6 when Paul says, and I'm sure of this, so there's the confidence, we will receive our glorified bodies. He says, because he who has done a good work will complete until the day of Christ Jesus. 
So it's not just the work that will be completed, but our bodies will be glorified. And I love this because right in the midst of all this, Paul squeezes in by saying, brothers, pray for us. You know, that's a powerful request. Amid all the turmoil, all the admonishing that was going on, Paul was still humble enough. The same people that he is having to get on, right, and chide a bit, he's also saying, but you know what? That doesn't make you unworthy where you can't pray for me. You can't pray for us. You can't pray for me and Timothy. And, and, you know, it makes me wonder as I just see this brief thing, brothers, pray for us in verse 25. How often do I look at individuals and say, will you pray for me? Will you pray for me and my family? I'd really covet the prayers that you would, that you would offer on my behalf for the ministry. Let's do that more often, right? We see this actually in the next letter that we'll be studying in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, where Paul says, Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored. Now, what's more specific in this passage is here in verse 25, he just says, pray for us, doesn't elaborate. But in his second letter, he says, brothers, pray for us. Again, same as he says here in verse 25, but then he goes on to say that the word of the Lord may speed ahead and be honored as happened among you and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil men for not all have faith. So, these are specific requests that Paul is asking for them to pray over, that God's word will spread, that God will continue to uh, grant them blessing in the ministry, that they'll be delivered from people who are causing trouble, for not all have faith. And that's partly the motivation here as we honor the Lord. God, I care. I, I want to spread the gospel. I need people to pray for me that this will continue to happen because there are people who don't know you and there and there will be people we will encounter. I mean, if you think about just the deconversions today, I just was having another discussion recently with somebody else who says, oh, and they were just tired of the hypocrisy. And I was recently at a restaurant and somebody who I knew a little bit and they had been following the ministry for a long time. An older gentleman called me over to share the gospel with two friends he was sharing the gospel with. And, and I wasn't expecting any of that. And we just got into this deep conversation. And it was powerful because not all people have faith. And just knowing that motivated me to share my love for Christ to those people. Who knows? They, they, didn't, they didn't give their life to the Lord at the restaurant, but... That was a seed that was planted. God's word doesn't come back void, right? Greet all brothers with a holy kiss is the next thing he says. Now that's a common greeting of affection. A lot of us, especially in the West, are huggers, fist pump, you know, kind of thing. But a holy kiss, you know, kissing side by side, cheek to cheek is a precious thing. We see this in Romans 16, verse six, greet one another with a holy kiss and all the churches of Christ greet you. So it's just a matter of showing affection. And so that's another thing in our lives as we wait for the return of the Lord, as we're respecting our elders and those who are over us, as we look to care for the needs of people around us, how are we showing affection to one another? And then as Paul closes out in these last two verses, notice he says, I put you under oath. This literally is, I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. So this was not a suggestion. See, most of the people were illiterate. Okay, And the cost of transcribing information was very high. 
So that was not something that they were readily able to do. Resources were non-existent. And again, transcribing was very expensive. So it was very common to gather crowds of people and have educated people read out loud something of importance. And the audience, typically in that era, they were they learned through orators. And so this is the why Paul's charging the Thessalonians because he wants this letter to be read publicly for spiritual accountability. And he wants this because as he writes in Romans 10 verse 17, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. See, we today, a lot of, we have the Bible. And so it's, it's the same as he's saying, faith comes from reading the word, not just hearing. But in those days, most people were read these letters. So they were hearing the word of God being preached to them. And so the next little area here, as we await the return of Christ, remaining blameless as we look to the God of peace who sanctify us and we're praying for the gospel in our lives and lives of people around us to spread and we're showing affection to one another as we remain blameless. The other thing is, how are you teaching God's word? How are you helping other people know God's word? And then he says here in closing, and I leave you guys with this. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Paul ends his letter with a customary farewell. And so as I say farewell to you guys on the podcast today, let me close with these three other farewell blessings. Romans 16, 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. 1 Corinthians 16, 23. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ Jesus, amen. Colossians 4.18, I, Paul, write these greetings with my own hand. Remember my chains, grace be with you. And so I say to you, my dear friends and faithful listeners, may the grace of God be with you. More specifically, as we saw in the opening and we see here in Romans 16.20, may the God of peace give you the grace that you need. And so I pray that you will take these blessings, my friends, and as you and I await the return of Christ, that you and I will continue to be blameless. Not because we're striving to do it in our own efforts, in our own flesh, but because we look to the author and the perfecter of our faith. So I wish you guys well. Until next time, keep standing strong, my friends. 